from Kemal Prescott Road. This is Talking Art, a series about pairing and conversing with art thinkers and makers on how they ponder. On today's episode, we're pairing a Mumbai-based academic, sociologist and feminist, Dr. Geeta Chadda, with a very remarkable artist on Kemal's roster, Yardena Kurulkar. And uh, in those days, you know, there were no phones. Mm. And I remember being accidentally locked in the cold storage. Oh my God. And uh, it wasn't for long, thankfully, because I was I was rescued. You know, it was quite an experience. It was enough to get me to think about so many things, you know, that happen and, you know, go on in the head, right? It's different. <laughs> Over to you, Geeta. Thank you. Thank you, Ashna. And... Uh... Lovely, Yardena, to be here with you and looking forward to this chat. And, you know, it's a lovely evening right now. I'm listening to footballers uh, playing mm. outside uh, in yeah. the ground after after 18 months. And it yes. brought in a rush of joy. Uh, I saw the image on Insta. You did already? <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. No. It's, it's, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to talk to you, uh, Geeta. And uh, happy to be here. Yes. So, Yetena, you know, I was thinking, I was, when I was thinking about our conversation, I was going back to the uh, first time we met uh, at uh, when, when Shirin asked me to write the wall text of your show, So It Goes in Kemold. And, yes. uh, you know, I, I remember that I, I was, of course, very diffident because I still think of myself as an outsider to the mm. art world. Uh, hmm. But I was extremely um, drawn uh, by the theme of So It Goes because I had just lost a very dear friend. And, yes, yes. You, know, I remember you remember that? that? You remember that? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, I yeah. So I found in your work uh, some sort of a writing for your work, some sort of a placeholder for my own uh, grief at the time. And of course, it's been three years and the grief continues. Uh, but, yeah. but But I wanted to ask you, Yardena, you know, like I felt a bit diffident, a bit of an outsider to do, uh, to do, you know, to be in conversation with you. How do you at that time? Huh? How do mm. you how do you look at a conversation with somebody who is relatively an outsider to the art world? Gita, what I um, found uh, interesting uh, with the idea of talking to you, you know, a sociologist. Uh, I think it was a difference uh, in approaching and viewing an artwork, yeah. you know, where you are dealing with uh, art uh, and its viewing mm-hmm. as a subject of inquiry, you know. So it's yeah. a sort of an investigation, you know, right. where Absolutely. your thinking and your approach, uh, it doesn't really come from a cocooned uh, art world space, yeah. you know. And, uh, and as a sociologist, you, uh, you're trying to understand and you're trying to know the artist behind the art, you know, the history of the artist mm. uh, as a person. Mm. Uh, and you're not looking at an artwork only in isolation, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and many of my artworks are created from memories and from stories. Yes. You know, my own uh, personal history is in the art that I create. Yes. And then I think that as a sociologist, you're coming with a fresh eye, you're coming with a different perspective yes. uh, of looking at things, yeah. you know. And these conversations, I think, are very valuable, mm-hmm. you know. 
no i find them extremely enriching to my own uh, practice you know to my right. own craft so uh, i mean you know for example uh, looking at the context the cultural context of your memories cultural context historical context of those memories and how they impact and create the artwork in the contemporary moment is yeah. something which is really fascinating and for us uh, in sociology one of the you know hallmarks of a sociological imagination is to be able to connect the autobiographical and the biographical with the historical and the cultural so right. i find it i find it an extremely enriching exercise yeah yeah and i i really don't think you're an outsider you know because <laughs> i have uh, you know i have um, read so many articles which you've uh, written which are related to art and yeah. heard conversations you've had with artists so i don't yeah. think you're an outsider <laughs> but i was i was telling you here dena how the actually the location of an outsider is actually i try to retain yeah. that you know because it also sort of gives me a, a a distance you know and an analytical distance which actually helps i think it helps I I think so. Yes, you're you're right. You're right. <laughs> But you know, Geeta, going back to 2018 during yes. the show, hmm. I just wanted to say, and I don't know if you remember, but you know, when you uh, when we met for the first time in the gallery, yeah, yeah, and I think you were seeing the works also for the first time. My God! And um, I remember you saying that you were grieving for a friend. Yes, and uh, who had just passed, correct? Yes, and and that friend, you said, if correct me if I'm wrong, but you said that friend was an avid reader of Kurt Vonnegut. Yes, and we also spoke at that time about how uncanny and how weird it was Absolutely that uncanny. you happened to be writing uh, the text yeah. for the show. Yeah, you know, yeah. because so it goes was inspired by Kurt Vonnegut's novel. Yes, uh, Slaughterhouse Five. Yeah. So I remember that you know that uh, that meeting that we had. Yeah. It was serendipity. Serendipity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think we need to give credit to our introduction to Shireen because I think she works in a very intuitive way, you know. She operates yeah. in a very very intuitive yeah. way. So. And she and she knows how to bring people together. So I was diffident to begin with. Yes. But I fell fell for the idea. Okay, so uh, Yatina, uh, take us back. No, share with us a little bit about uh, your trajectory. Maybe you can start with art school. Maybe you can start with the influences on your work. How memory plays a role. Wherever you want to begin. Wherever you want to begin. Okay, wow, that's that's a that's a really going back in time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, Geeta, I uh, graduated from uh, JJ School of Arts, mm-hmm. and then I went on to do my uh, masters uh, at the University of Wales in Cardiff, and then from there I went on to do um, a two-year art residency in Canada. Mm. Uh, you know, I grew up in quite a religious uh, Beni Israeli family. Uh, you know, we followed Shabbat and uh, kosher. Mm. Um, but yes. I'm not religious anymore. Mm. Uh, my family still is, and right. I and I mm-hmm. sort of feel quite grateful, mm-hmm. you know, that I could uh, walk my own path at uh, at a very early age. Um, and you know, a little bit about the Beni Israelis. You know, these Beni Israelis, we are Marathi speaking, mm-hmm. and uh, the Beni Israelis have lived in uh, uh, villages uh, of the Konkan coast for hundreds of years. Yes. Yeah. and uh, i'm sure i'm sure you know that but i mm. thought it would be interesting to just go back in time a little bit yes um yes. you know and the history kind of goes back to these seven couples which were shipwrecked um mm. you know off the mm. konkan coast 
some two thousand two hundred years ago. Mm. And uh, in this shipwreck, they lost everything, and then they settled down in the Konkan uh, coast mm. and in the community uh, took up the profession of oil pressing, mm. and then they okay. came to be known as the Shaniwar Tailies. Mm. Shaniwar because it's Saturday, and Saturday was a day that the day. that the oil presses didn't work. The Jewish oil presses didn't work, so they were called the Shaniwar Tailies. Hmm. And uh, a lot of these many Israelis, you know, they adopted the names of the villages that they resided in. Okay. So my surname is Kurulkar. Kurulkar. Kurulkar is the name of a village, and Kur is what they added uh, yes. to their village names. So uh, and now we are uh, less than five thousand Jews hmm. in India. So it's a very very small very population. Very small. Yeah. But yeah. you know, growing up in this um, Beni Israeli community was was quite a different experience for me. You know, mm. and now that I look mm. back, uh, I think about it, and I see this this was pretty different. You know, mm-hmm. so our holiday of the week was uh, Saturday. Yes. And uh, Friday night was when Shabbat began. So, right. and I I remember I always look forward to uh, Shabbat, but especially yeah. the Shabbat meal. Ah. <laughs> it was always such an like elaborate meal. <laughs> like, like, like festival meals always yeah, are. Yeah, we are, we are so tell us, here. tell us, what was the meal like? Do, do you remember the taste? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember, you know, my yeah. grandmother at that hmm. time, yeah. uh, she used to make the fish curry. That was when fish was, was made, you know, the fish was fried and it was eaten together and yeah. And lots of other special dishes would be laid out on the table. Yeah. And yeah. then prayers were recited, but then they were followed with songs. And At- uh, I I really, really enjoyed those Shabbat celebrations, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think in my, in my child's mind, I never uh, really understood, you know, the reason uh, mm. why I had to recite prayers without understanding the meaning, you know. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know Yiddish and I was, I, I was saying prayers. So... It was always this question in my mind, you know. Mm, mm. And uh, so lots of memories, Gita. I also have these memories. Of they seem to come back, no? Again and again in your Absolutely, work. Absolutely, mm. they do, they mm. do. Mm. Like, you know, mm. the memory of the Holy Scrolls kept yes. in this cupboard, mm. you know. And this cupboard is called the Ekhal. Achha. And okay. on high holidays, this cupboard is opened. On very special occasions, Achha. this cupboard is opened and the scrolls are taken out. Amazing. Okay. And uh, this ekhal used to be adorned with um, fresh flowers, Ooh. you know, especially the mogra. Ah. And I still associate the fragrance, you know, of these flowers to my childhood. Yeah. You know, these memories, you know, they are slightly kind of, how should I say, contaminated, they're corrupted a bit by time. Why do you say contaminated and corrupted? Because, you know, you forget. It's it's over time and, you know, you think about your memories as something very um, um, clear. But as yeah. you go back in them, you realize that there are lots of layers that you added to them over time. Of course, of course. And also... Also, mm-hmm. yeah, Dina, do you, uh, they get uh, mediated, no? Like you said, you're no more religious. So maybe Correct. there's a complexity that comes in, a complexity which uh, makes you rethink some of those things. Maybe that is why also it gets a little, what you're saying, contaminated, no? Absolutely, absolutely. And But, mm-hmm. you know, they, they mm-hmm. somehow get translated and then find a new life, a sort of a new meaning in my work. You know, yeah. So they are kind yeah. of it's kind of uh, you know just circles back uh, yeah. and taking a different kind of an avatar. You know. Yeah. The memory also is is it contains so much of one's personal history, Correct. but also like you're saying, the history of the community. No, mm. as it sort of mm. uh, uh, 
moves uh, over time. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But you know, yeah. interestingly, uh, hmm. you know, like almost every religion does. You know, uh, hmm. the Jewish religion also uh, made me very aware of being a woman. Okay. Hmm. And in my child's mind, I couldn't understand. In what things, way? You know, I couldn't. I, in I what still way? don't. Uh, lots of uh, religious rituals which where a woman is not okay, permitted. Okay, that's one. Uh, you yeah. know, uh, so those things, you know, where uh, when where one is not allowed to go to the synagogue I- during your menstrual cycles, you know, mm. so those kind of uh, restrictions mm. which made made, and I'm sure this this is for a lot of women where it makes us aware of being women. Of course. You know? Yeah. Um, so we'll yeah, come, so we'll come back to that because I want to come back to your work. So it goes. Uh, but, but, right. but but before we do that, can we uh, talk uh, about the theme? For example, your work is so deeply about mortality. You know, this eighteen months of the pandemic. I've thought about your work so often. Yeah. 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 I mean, in sociology, for example, we pay very little attention to grief. We pay very little attention to the inner world uh, you know when we study death or when yeah. we study uh, uh, you know death we study death rituals and we study a lot of that but mm. but the you know reflection on the human condition I guess uh, gets better expressed in art and your work is one that does it so um, powerfully so um, tell us tell mm. us about your memories you speak a lot about your father's death right right and right uh, the earworm of the songs that were there around that uh, event and the memories of that. You want to you want to share a bit of that and how it comes yeah, into your yeah, work? Sure. Yeah, sure, Gita. Um, so you know, I lost my father when I was eight, mm. and uh, he was a very uh, prominent uh, figure in the Ben Israeli community. I see. You know, okay. Uh, he used to sing on all the high holidays, mm. and uh, you know, he would practice. Uh, is singing every Sunday mm-hmm. and then he would record record his own voice mm-hmm. and uh, I remember we had this Akai music system yeah. you know <laughs> this old Akai music system and we'd have and I this was what 70s 70s or 80s uh 70s 70s so I we still have those tapes Gita you know and I almost you know feel like he's still imprisoned in them in those tapes mm. and uh, it's very very strange you know but when my father used to sing on these high holidays mm. uh, he sang certain parts of the Torah okay. you know certain paragraphs from the Torah okay and uh, one of them was the Hana Shemelak okay which was a song which is sung at Yom Kippur mm-hmm. and it is also sung at funerals okay and uh, mm. so this, the tune uh, the tune is the same but the words the lyrics are different I see you know okay so everyone in the community, you know, knew that that particular song would be sung by my father, mm. you know. And the, I remember, I mean, I remember means I don't remember, but it's my my mom, mom uh, you know, talks about it. And she says that the women of the community, you know, the women who were mm. allowed uh, mm. late entry into the synagogue because Yom Kippur mm. prayers are really long, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember uh, that they would they would rush to the synagogue to hear him sing. Oh, wow. uh, so it's a very beautiful tune and that's the memory of the tune um, that uh, inspired that artwork Your Home that you mentioned earlier uh, where I uh, explored sound uh, as a medium do you want to do you want to hum it a little uh, okay. no <laughs> try try I'll whistle it is that okay you're lovely that's even better okay 
क्या बात है सेमेट्री yeah that's correct so yeah. so so that also i think comes quite uh, quite uh, uh, evocatively in your work you know yes. apart from the memory of uh, the death of your father but the cemetery as a site uh, right. and and what it what it did to your own um, understanding of uh, life and death you want to you want to speak a little bit about that uh, yeah yeah sure experience yeah, yeah you know it was a very uh, interesting job huh. and uh, i was in toronto at that time and very and, unusual uh, job no is very it? unusual yeah. and you know geeta it was not something that i went looking for you know acha hmm. uh, it just happened you know someone yeah. asked me if i could do it and i said yes so uh, you know a few weeks before uh, yom kippur hmm. uh, it's the day of atonement you yes. know and uh, it is the holiest day for the jews hmm. and uh, they visit the graves of their dear ones yes you know as hmm. as a kind of a remembrance you know as a sort of, course. of memorial yeah yeah. Huh? yeah um so at that time um, of the year um, hmm. a group of us were uh, hired Mm-hmm. and uh, we were positioned at these uh, strategic points uh, in the cemetery mm-hmm. and uh, it was a large really large cemetery you know where you could see um, acres and acres of uh, land and you know just studded with tombstones you know mm-hmm. and uh, the job actually was to help people to navigate their way through these tombstones you know to find their family tombstones oh, and amazing. sometimes uh, you know for several hours no one would drive down uh, that road you know that i was uh, stationed on and there were these like uh, really prolonged hours mm. of uh, waiting mm. and uh, i i don't know somehow i just found myself and i just happened to be in these situations mm. you know um mm. which was which was quite strange because going back in time a little bit i have done a couple of other odd jobs and mm. if you want to hear about them i can tell you about them yeah, <laughs> yeah why not so this was one job i did you know at a kibbutz yeah and uh, i did this uh, event you know i thought i'll go and stay in a kibbutz for a couple of months yeah and uh, so i did all kinds of jobs i did uh, babysitting and i was uh, i made salad in the kitchen uh-huh. i picked oranges and all of that <laughs> and uh, in those days you know there were no phones mm. and i remember being accidentally locked in the cold storage oh my god and uh, it wasn't for long thankfully because i was i was rescued i think it must have been half an hour or so but it was enough you know it was quite an experience it was enough to get me to think about so many things you know that happen and you know go on in the head right in situations uh, sorry yeah then i'm where where you want where was this where was this in a cold storage uh, yeah there are these really large rooms which were cold storage rooms ha huh. and uh, you know so i thankfully got uh, uh, rescued i think mm. not more than 20 minutes but it was quite an experience mm. and then there was this um, one time where um, i went visiting an uncle in a moshav Moshav uh, yes. is a small is a kibbutz sort of a kibbutz that's run by a, by a single person, 
and uh, yes. yeah, yeah he he took me out riding you know on one of those uh, i remember you told me this, yeah yes. it was like yeah uh-huh. it was Tell crazy us, yeah yeah hmm. or one of those you know two seater quad bikes uh, uh-huh. you know, and we went riding into the desert and uh-huh. uh, we rode for miles i mean after that i was i took the wheel you know and we were riding for miles and miles uh-huh. and suddenly uh-huh. the vehicle stopped you know and we realized that we had run out of fuel and uh, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. my uncle ran back to the moshav and he you know to get fuel while mm-hmm. i waited uh, in the desert and uh, how long was the, was the wait no way it was a 3 hour wait oh my and God. it was in the middle of nowhere there was not a soul in sight not a single uh, green plant how old were you i must have been 28 29 mm-hmm. okay i must have okay. been around that age and mm-hmm. you know he returned after whatever 3 hours and then you know we we rode back together and where was this yadena where was this this was in israel again israel yeah so you know one experience in canada and the other one in israel and the third one was uh, the cold There storage two in israel and then one in one in the canada. cold storage was in israel yes. Right? yes yes yeah so you know you've spoken about to my mind it seems like two rather you know symmetry being an open very eerie almost uh, site of uh, beauty and then the cold storage and now the desert you know you mm. seem to recollect interestingly these experiences and sites which both are very enclosed at some level and you know because it sort of closed you into yourself even the desert yeah and 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 also extremely uh, you know wide and apparently open yeah right so i think that this uh, to my mind i just thought that maybe you know you often speak about this looping yes uh, of death and life you know right. and maybe also a looping of the in you know enclosed and the then the open yeah you right. want to speak a little bit about this the, the idea of looping that you 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 think uh, you're working with hmm. the looping of life and death you know in in very interesting way it comes in your work uh, right and it sort of doesn't uh, i feel that your work doesn't really allow us to think of uh, life and death as a cycle it it pins us down as i've said before that you know with a certain kind of austerity it pins us down and makes it look at uh, both death and the body and its uh, mortality and its uh, uh, you know uh, corporeality just yeah. tell us a little more about you that you know um, uh, in my transient series uh, you know yeah. the loop yeah. was uh, very much present in most of the mm. works mm. and uh, this was back in 2011 mm. and uh, i think the loop um, you know sort of originated from this desire to reverse you know reverse something mm. and uh, i think therefore it was it was sort of symbolic of my own uh, personal insistence to believe that life and death mm. uh, is interconnected and that life eventually cycles back and uh, then the rejection of the loop gita in the mm. later works Mm. again uh, you know very uh, symbolic of my own determination mm. you know to really look at death in the eye you know without mm. any consolation or without expecting anything so the mm. loop uh, is is a very important element in uh, you know in both these series of works which was back mm. in 2011 and then in 2018 18 
Mm. Yeah. You know, your work, so it goes. Yeah. You say it was inspired by your, uh, you know, you came across your mother's diary. Right. <laughs> and it talked about her menstrual cycles. Yes. It talked, actually, there was a mention of our menstrual cycle. We are three, three, three daughters. Mm. So I was just, uh, you know, I was thinking about the idea that, you know, your, your work also plays with or puts out, pulls out body parts and right. works with them, right? Right. So I found that and so it goes, it's also the womb. Right. No? Right. That uh, you pull out and, you know, make us actually look at it. Right. And it almost seems like... Uh, you know, the decision of the womb to, so to speak, go on strike, is that something that you would relate to? What do you yeah. feel? Is it in the face of death? Yeah. I ask this also, Yardena, because there is a lot of um, angst about, well, you know, there's a perennial human angst about, you know, what is the purpose of life in the face yeah. of death kind of a thing. Yeah. But there is also a very contemporary angst that you see in a lot of young people. Right. Like, you know, the way the world is going, you know, whether it's because of climate change or, you know, the other f- human human forces, um, what is the point in sort of uh, reproducing or producing and uh, right. believing, uh, mm. you know, in, in life or mm. its meaning? Mm. Uh, I want to hear a little more from you on that. I think, uh, Gita, I think the word womb uh, is used in pregnancy, correct? Mm. And while the uterus is hollow, right? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Uh, so therefore, I think uh, it's the uterus that was uh, pulled out uh, in your was work. pulled out. Mm. Uh, you know, okay. and uh, this uterus, I think, was um, you know the one organ mm. that really identified me as a woman, right? Mm. Because the other organs, which was the heart and the and the brain and the skull and you know mm. all those organs are uh, they don't identify me as a woman. And uh, and the death of this uterus, you know, and, and by that I don't mean a, a physical death, but it's a inability to birth, you know, to mm-hmm. enclose, you know, to, to nourish, right? Mm-hmm. And then the menstruating, you know, mm-hmm. it's almost like the weeping uterus, right? Mm-hmm. And in that sense, you know, the use of the of this organ of the uterus was, was yeah. a very uh, emotional experience yeah. for me. Yeah. It marks us, like you're saying, right. it marks female bodies to a very large extent, no? Right, right. Marks us biologically, it marks us socially and culturally because, you know, on the one hand you have celebrations of it, on the other hand you have exclusions around it. Correct. It marks us emotionally as well, you know? Of course, of course, yeah. I saw that work actually a very, I mean, even if you might not say so or think so yourself, but I found it a very feminist uh, work in that sense, you know, because it was, you think so too, no? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, no, it Hmm. was that the use of the uterus was the one uh, organ, the uterus was Hmm. the one organ which identified me as a woman. Hmm. And, And I found interesting is the diary of your mother and the way she entered 
uh, you know, collectively the menstrual cycles of her uh, daughters. Isn't that right. sort of also some sort of a collective? I mean, I don't want to uh, romanticize it, but there yes. is a thing about, you know, collective uh, experience of something like menstruation, no? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, the fact that you could, you had those, first that she maintained that diary. Yes. And then you got hold of it and it can sort of came alive in that work of that work. death yes. of the uterus. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, that's wonderful. I think Virangana speaks about at one point in her essay. I don't yeah. remember uh, whether it was for transients. She speaks about how the clay, the material that you use, yeah. And uh, the subject that you're working with, how they sort of seamlessly merge into each yeah, other. Yeah, no? they do. Uh, you know, and uh, I think this the, the choice of materials, hmm. you know, while hmm. creating hmm. Uh, these works. Yeah. And, you know, I, I thought about how fragile the body is. Yeah. And then I thought that my materials had to be fragile. And uh, so the use of clay, you know, for its hmm. uh, complete sort of, openness to accepting uh, you know elements you know mm-hmm. and then water mm-hmm. because it disintegrates the clay mm-hmm. you know yeah. and uh, then glass because it invites you closer but it still keeps you away right right and uh, then the use of medical uh, technology oh yeah i think which I is also that. so advanced now that you know you can uh, actually uh, very easily replace a bone in the body you know mm-hmm. And this medical uh, technology, you know, was interesting because, you know, it allowed me to excavate, you know, mm. almost chisel, mm. almost like how a sculptor would, no? you're working with mm. wood or, uh, mm. you know, marble. Mm. And, but what we were doing was we were chiseling digitally, mm. you know, so the, so the tissues or the blood vessels and mm. uh, muscles around the organ, they were mm. discarded digitally. And so it's almost like the inner body is externalized, you know, in a way. Mm. And then this whole experience of holding my own organs, my my own heart, uh, yeah. my own skull, mm. uh, my own uterus, you know, mm. in my own hands, you know. So that was a very, uh, very surreal experience. Yeah, and visceral, no? And yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, these materials, you know, they just seemed appropriate, mm. you know, to depict this fragile body, you know. Yeah. Uh, to, to, to depict transients, you know, in a way. Yes. So, yes. like, for example, in the transient series, Gita, uh, uh, the clay that disintegrates in the water. I you remember. Know, the yeah. clay that is that makes the body and that, which then eventually disintegrates in the water is yeah. like collected again. That clay is collected again and it's recycled and used in the next body. Yeah. So, you know, even the use of that material... Mm-hmm. Um, then you know seems seems to be uh, uh, appropriate for the uh, for the works you know so in my uh, clay and water works um, yeah. while everything seems quite pointless yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know and you are fully aware that there yeah. is an end and you know what that end is huh. but I feel that there is still a waiting you know yeah. and yeah. in that waiting there seems to be a purpose you know and then the images mm. that are captured in that waiting is mm. what remains of the work. So mm. in a way, the material and the use of the material, the choice of materials, all is all of these are so integral to the creation of these uh, of these works. So, uh, Yatena, you know, we're talking about clay as material and uh, the rightness of it for your kind of work also actually translates 
for the viewer and uh, as a very very uh, powerful experience you know uh, yeah. this whole idea i feel you know uh, of uh, death of uh, materiality of uh, uncertainty in the last 18 months of the pandemic we've seen it uh become so amplified and so intense and yeah. uh, my my sense is that you know a lot of art addresses themes of uh, uncertainty and unpredictability and death uh, yeah. much better than much better than any any other uh, way of expression but i feel i mean i don't know i wanted to ask you what do you think is post pandemic art going to look like globally of course and in your own work I mean, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, it's uh, going to be quite a journey there for us to collectively heal ourselves, for uh, uh, collectively uh, brood over, uh, you know, how, what do we do with the intense grief? Uh, and it's not a personal grief; it's uh, just become, you know, the breath. Yes, collectively, we've sort of gone through a huge crisis, right? Right, right, absolutely, yeah. yeah we have and i think uh, you know when when the pandemic started and uh, i just remember uh, you know going through this complete um, stunned kind of a disbelief you know that something like that was actually happening <laughs> yeah and uh, you know for me and i'm sure for all of us you know each day just seemed like the next day you know yeah and i i started feeling a very uh, strong uh, disconnect with community Mm-hmm. and uh, you know i found myself almost uh, several times of the day you know just trying to make peace with myself you know just telling myself that i have no control over things you know and uh, you know my husband he has this uh, framed quotation in his study mm. and uh, it's a quotation by john lennon mm. and uh, it said that everything will be okay in the end and if it's not okay it's not the end <laughs> and i would look at it every day and uh, it was very strange you know because the word end was suddenly giving me this uh, hope you know <laughs> and uh, you know i remember i i used to write and i still do but i started writing uh, quite passionately during that time you know yeah and uh, now that i'm back in the studio and i think i'm creating work with a very deep uh, sort of a realization you know that time is so precious you know so precious i think the pandemic has really humbled us you know and mm. i think this whole yeah. process you know of uh, living through this uh, sort of uncertainty you know i think slowly mm. we then begin to understand it you know and mm. then slowly mm. we begin to uh, respond to it and then we eventually mm. survive it mm. and i think in this yeah in a way our response then as artists is to make art you know because i think art um helps us to process our thoughts you know it helps us to um, process our um, experiences and uh, i think eventually what's going to remain is art you know i think after we are uh, dead and gone uh, it is art that's going to tell our story right and uh, it's going to tell the world about our lives mm. so so yeah it's been a very uh, difficult and you know, <laughs> very strange times but i think mm. as artists Uh, I think our journey is usually uh, uphill. You know, I'm sure uh, a lot know. of other artists are going to agree with that. And you know, you just learn to uh, you just get used to being uh, resilient. You know, 
I think as yeah. artists, you know, we are always like fighting back, and you know, we somehow manage to uh, stay afloat. You know, and we are always constantly crafting and uh, you know our own identity. Of course, yeah. And I think uh, some eight-year-old who might have lost a father right. will write <laughs> stories thirty, uh, forty years later yes. about the pandemic. Yes, no, yes. And yes, death and grief in the pandemic. Yeah, but you know, Geeta, yeah. uh, when I when uh, this grieving, you know, that we are talking about, whether it's mm-hmm. uh, you know whatever situation it is. But hmm. I really don't think that it is grief, you know. That's uh, where my defining work, I, where hmm. when I when I work gets defined, you know. Hmm. I think it's hmm. that it's the memory of that grief, you know, the memory I of know. that loss, you know, the memory yeah. of that absence, you know, hmm. of that space that you experienced as a child all those years ago. Yeah, and I think it's the memory of this absence that kind of ignites a reaction, you know. And it ignites mm-hmm. this fear that there's something devastating, something completely unbearable that's going to happen, and it's probably going to happen quite unexpectedly. So I think mm. it's all of that, you know, more than uh, more than grieving for a father, uh, mm. it is uh, translating a memory uh, mm. into a series of loss. of loss, memory mm. of loss, memory of absence, mm. you know. Yeah, but. As I said, uh, this conversation starting with the footballers coming on the ground back with their yes, yes, we have <laughs> to be hopeful and, and yeah, the young people out yes. there are back playing football. Yes, and uh, I'm sure we'll be back in the galleries uh, looking at brilliant work like yours. Absolutely, we're going to look at. It's going to be a, a good year. I'm hoping we will see some I... good days ahead. Some good days ahead, hopefully, yes, and some uh, uh, you know intense days, but very meaningful ones, yeah. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. yeah, yeah, and let me say that uh, you know, stalking art was. Uh, I was wondering about the use of the term stalking since it has so many negative connotations, uh, uh, you know. But but I like the fact that uh, the series is using it as. Uh, uh, stalking as pursuing, right, you know? right, pursuing art, pursuing conversations, you know, looking at it from corners and observing, talking, responding, almost so, obsessively. So that's nice. That's why the word <laughs> yes. stalking, I guess. You know? Yes, yes, yes. And I mean, it is very all-consuming, no? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I felt when I first saw your work uh, uh, before I wrote. For you, for so it goes. So lovely, um, Yadena. Lovely chatting with you, Gita. Talking to it's, you. It's, uh, been yeah. a lovely, lovely experience. Thank you. So it goes. So it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Good Thank night. You. Good night. Bye. You too. Bye bye.